Amen. God bless you. You can return to your seats and you can go ahead and be seated. I've got a special surprise today that we, as we start. I'm going to minister the word of the Lord to you in just a moment. Amen. Sister Emery, go ahead and come on up here. Hallelujah. A couple years ago, God called Sister Emery to preach, and I had felt some things in my heart already, but in, in a Sunday school class, she had written this down, uh, and then she came into my study to tell me, and what she doesn't know, and what you're about to find out, Sister Emery, was two other preachers that are my five-fold covering, Bishop Stoops and Sister Vicki Vernon, two of them, also called that out in you before you ever said anything, so... I just want you to know that, that uh, it was confirmed by apostolic authority. So she's got a little message that, that God put on her heart, and I know she is nervous, so, but I know you're going to get with her for a minute or two here as she shares it, all right? Amen. You ready? Um, I would like to start us off in prayer. Lord, let me use your word to bring others towards you. Let this message you gave me help others and let them realize that you are working in their lives. Let others take your word to form outreach with those who need you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We need to focus on now. We can't rely on our past or our future. We cannot define ourselves on what we have done wrong or what we will do wrong, but on what we are doing right. To begin with, I would like to read a verse from the NLT version. I'm reading Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. You can take this as our flesh is the grass and flowers. We don't want to wither or fade away from God, so we must be followers of him. We must be his disciples if we want to stand with him. So as followers of God, we won't wither now or fade now, but we can stand now. Just as I said earlier, we can't rely on our past or define ourselves on what we have done. The Lord also won't. The Lord isn't going to judge you on what you have done because we don't have a way to change what has already happened. Instead, we can change today. Revelation 1.8 says, who is and who was and who is to come. The who is God and he is always perfect. So if we want to be like him, we need to repent and we need to change. As I'm coming to a close, I'd like to read one more verse. The ending of Job 14.14 says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. While Job had to wait for his change, we can change now. We can repent and we can change. The Lord can always help you. You just have to have the courage to ask him. You can let him bring you out of the dark and into the light. As I said earlier, we need to focus on that. Thank you. Amen. Awesome, sweetie. Awesome. She came and shared that with me uh, a couple weeks ago. And just knowing what God had given me to preach today, I, I just knew it was a confirmation in the spirit. And I want her to share that. Aren't you glad that you can change now? Yes. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to turn your attention to Psalm chapter 60, and I'm going to read verses 4 and 8. Two different verses, verse 4 and then verse 8. And uh, I welcome all of you today to the Church of Omaha, all of our guests. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. And however you heard about us or found out, we're glad that you're here, and we welcome you. All of you joining us online, thank you for tuning in as well. In Jesus' name. Psalm 60, verse 4 says, You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. Drop down to verse 8. 
He says, Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Philistia, shout in triumph before me. And from those two verses and this psalm, I want to preach today on this Easter Sunday, truth will triumph. Hallelujah. Truth will triumph. Amen. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. Your word and your word alone can save, deliver, and heal. You know every need, every struggle, every issue. Your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. So now, on the authority of your word, I bind every spirit of hindrance and loose your anointing and your spirit to fill this place. Without you, I am nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power. Confirm your word with signs following and let me walk in your spirit and not my flesh. And would everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. While David was up north fighting the Syrians, the Edomites attacked Israel from the south and actually did significant damage. David dispatched Joab with a part of his army and Joab and Abishai defeated Edom in the Valley of Salt south of the Dead Sea. You can read this in 1 Chronicles 18. Psalm 60, which is around that time historically, manifests a spirit of trust and confidence that the Lord would give Israel victory, which He did. And again, various scriptures through 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles can highlight this. We don't know the harmony or the melody or even the rhythm of Psalm 60. It is set to the tune, Lily of the Testimony. It's intriguing to me that this final mictum psalm, which if you've followed along the last six weeks, there's six of them, that they're all set to the tune, do not destroy. But yet this one, the last one, the final one, the one that I'm preaching on Easter Sunday, is set to the tune, Lily of the Testimony. Could it be that uh, this implies a covenant, testimony, testament, covenant? Could it be that since Lily is often related in the Bible to symbolizing purity and rebirth and hope and new beginning. Could it be that since Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and His blood purchased the church and that resurrection conquered death, hell, and the grave, could it be then that it's very possible that even the inscription points to this moment that we celebrate today called the resurrection? Amen? I don't know about you. But I can tell you and testify that He's given me a lily of the testimony. He's given me a testimony of new beginnings, of hope, of rebirth, and of purity. Amen. I'm, I'm so thankful that He didn't leave me where He found me. But He loved me there and He brought me into His grace and into His mercy. Amen. This psalm reveals a troubled people. In verses 1 through 3, you'll notice that there's adversaries and adversity and it strained the covenantal relationship between God and His people. They had lost a battle. They had been attacked in the south while they were up north. They felt rejected. They felt abandoned and desired to be one with God again. Desired to be reconciled to God. And even though this rejection was brief, it was serious because 
because it resulted from God's anger. David was actually trying to make a name for himself rather than glorify the name of God. And Israel takes this defeat, this military defeat seriously and soberly because of the perceived divine abandonment. Without God's presence, I want to tell you that God's people live a meaningless existence. But with God and with His presence, life has purpose. This Mictum psalm, and again, Mictums, if you recall, are those psalms which are to be engraved in stone and remembered forever. It's occasionally interrupted by lamenting prayers for relief and restoration. The people pray to God to restore His favor and to emotionally heal them. Is there anybody today that wants the favor of God on your life? Is there anybody today that needs to be restored or have an emotional healing? So what God does, He raises a banner. Amen. Designating a place where the godly can find refuge under His protection. And what is His banner? It is His name. Amen. The name of the Lord is restored favor. And the name of the Lord became David and Joab's battle cry. They rallied the people around God and His name and His banner. Amen. So I can come to this pulpit today to tell you that when you face troubling circumstances, trust in the Lord. Go to His name. Go to where you find victory. Regardless of what's troubled you, I encourage you to trust in that name. You'll find refuge in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll find forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll find healing in the name of Jesus. You'll find salvation in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, can we just call that name for a moment? Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. There's power in that name. There's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name. And so, for a troubled people, God gives a triumphant message. In verse 6, you'll see God speaks from His holiness. He gives a triumphant message to a troubled people. And He reminds them that His promise uh, uh, is extending to them that the earth is His uh, and that they are His and that no enemy will succeed against Him. God reminds them that He alone is sovereign over every nation. Amen. God speaks from His holiness. This implies from His throne. Amen. Because we know there's cherubs on either side crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's speaking from a place where He rules, where He reigns, where His Word is final. For we know the Word of a king has power. God speaks from His holiness. And the result is David and Israel can rejoice. Why? Because when God says something, it always comes to pass. God cannot Lie. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you know that Jesus prophesied His own death and His own resurrection? He looked at the Pharisees and He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. He wasn't talking about brick and mortar. He wasn't talking about the Holy of Holies. Amen. He was talking about Himself. His disciples didn't get it then. The Pharisees didn't get it then. But when He arose and they saw Him and the power that came as a result, they realized Amen. He had spoken truth. Hallelujah. 
This prayer in Psalm 60 is a beautifully written account of God's answer to their request. Can I tell you, your situation may not be a battlefield like it was for David and Joab. Yours might be a difficult divorce or a job that's fired you or laid you off. Or perhaps a bill is due and inflation has got you upset and you're not sure how you're going to pay it. There could be a host of other things. But can I tell you that regardless of your trouble, Psalm 60 encourages you that the same God who is sovereign over everything Every nation is sovereign over every situation. The problem you face has not dethroned God. He speaks from His holiness. Amen. It's not dethroned Him. The circumstance that you're dealing with has not caused God to worry. He's not convening a, a council with the angels and saying, I don't know how we're going to figure this one out. I don't know how we're going to handle this one today. It hasn't caused Him to worry. It hasn't caused Him to fret. What you thought was a setback is God setting you up for greater victory. You're about to experience a transformation from your turmoil to testimony because truth will triumph. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to shout hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Glory. And so we see that because he gives a triumphant message to a troubled people, he is a most trustworthy Lord. Verses 9 through 11 resume his oracle of hope. And David speaks and asks rather the Lord to lead him to victory. He's not looking for a military solution. He's not looking for an alliance with other kings. He knows all of that is frivolous and fruitless and worthless. Instead, he's going straight to the source. I'm no longer going to make a name for myself. I want to come to you, Lord, and get your help. He knows God is still with him. He's been reassured. And this brings him renewed strength, joy, and victory. So can I tell you that in the midst of your trouble and in your trial, you can wholeheartedly trust Jesus. The resurrection is proof that if something is dead or dormant in your life, it can come to life again. Amen. Hallelujah. The silence of Saturday as you await your resurrection morning doesn't mean God is absent or not working. It might have been silent on earth, but we know the Bible says he descended into hell and set captivity captives and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus didn't take a three-day weekend vacation he was delivering us from the power of death, hell, and the grave. Amen. He cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. He never fails. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Truth will triumph. The timeless message of Psalm 60 as it relates to the resurrection is this. Only God can give victory in the face of defeat. Only God can look at the insurmountable odds of an army greater than you, of a situation more tasking or more taxing on you than you can imagine. And only God can rout the foes against you. Only God can bring the overwhelming victory when you run to the tower of refuge that is His name. Hallelujah. I want you to get this quote. I gave it to the media team today. It's, it's my take-home truth. I want you to catch this. No matter how significant the setback may be, failure is never final 
as long as God's grace is available. Oh, I need to say that again. No matter how significant the setback may be, failure is never final as long as God's grace is available. And I've come to tell somebody, I don't care what the world said. I don't care what the judge said. I don't care what the media said. I don't care what anybody said. As long as God's grace is available, there is victory. There is hope. Hallelujah. David's transformation from a turmoil to a testimony was when God spoke from his holiness and David obeyed. And the same is true today. This message God has given me is the same as if God was speaking from his holiness. And I'm not trying to claim that I'm God. But what I feel in my spirit today is if you'll hear it as such, that he's speaking from his holiness to you to encourage you, amen, with his word. Can I talk to you about the word of God for just a minute? The Bible lets us know that it both framed the worlds and holds them together. You can find that in Colossians and Hebrews. He both spoke it into existence and, and it, 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 the world was created and his word still holds it together today. I know scientifically it's gravitational pull and all of that, but it's God's word who set those things in motion. It is God's word, according to Psalms, that the stormy wind fulfills his word. But it's also when he stands up on a boat and says, peace be still, that those same winds obey and calm down. Every word of God proves true. Not some, not most, not 99.9% like Lysol. Every word of God proves true. So you can trust it. And when it comes, it will transform you from your turmoil to a testimony because truth will triumph. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? But Pilate, you didn't understand that you were talking to truth in the flesh. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and the two witnesses couldn't get their false testimonies to agree. But Herod couldn't kill him, and death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. <laughs> That's my king. He always has been. Sister Emery read it, was, is, is to come. And he always will be. He had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. Hallelujah. There's nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. And I love this one. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. He's God all by himself. Oh, hallelujah. When he conquered death, hell, and the grave... He restored to humanity what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. Oh, can I tell somebody today that if you are born again, you have life in you that is both now abundant and then eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Truth will triumph. The disciples ran in fear, thinking it was over. But truth will triumph. 
The religious leaders returned to their flawed practice of the law, believing they had silenced Jesus and his followers, but truth will triumph. The disciples thought Jesus' death was the end, and it took multiple occasions to prove to them he was alive, but truth will triumph. You see, in Psalm 60, David and Joab for a moment thought their defeat was final until God spoke from his holiness. Mm. Oh, listen. (laughs) Only God can say it's over. You don't know why? Because he's the author. He holds and the finisher. And as long as he's still writing your story, there ain't a devil in hell, there ain't an angel in heaven, and there's not a human on earth that can, oh, come on. And just because this chapter has ended and there's an ironic twist and he's bringing something else out in the next chapter, don't feel like you've been left out alone. Don't feel like you're, oh, come on. He's still writing your story. He's, oh, you need to trust in God. It's not over until God says it's over. Hallelujah. For a while, the disciples interpreted the crucifixion as hopeless. But he manifested himself and he taught them of his kingdom and restored their faith. Why? Because truth will triumph. They glorified his name for the rest of their lives. And in their deaths, they never recanted his name. They never recanted the story of the resurrection. Why? Because truth will triumph. And so I've come to preach to you today and this six-part mini-series of the Mictum Psalms, that no matter what is happening to you, no matter how bleak the situation may be, no matter how dark the night, no matter how dead it is, no matter how defeated you feel, truth will always triumph. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave and gave the lily of his testimony. He has now become my strength. I can endure. I can face tomorrow because he lives. I can go through my trials and let them become, amen, a testimony. His resurrection gives me hope in this life and in eternity. And would you put that screen up that I gave you guys? Because of his story. My story is history. When I look back at my past, it's history. Why? Because my story, where I came from, what I did, who I was, is washed in blood. Amen. Where I've been is covered by the name. Where I have been and who I was and all that I did is now compounded by the fact that He lives in me and the hope of glory is in me. And my story, hallelujah, is His story. Hallelujah. The lily of the testimony can be your new birth and testimony for the future. Again, it intrigues me that the other ones were do not destroy. And I mentioned to the irony of that last week in that it was also an imprecatory psalm. And yet he's calling for mercy. And I think it's because somewhere 
in the prophetic recesses of David's mind as God is showing him this. And he writes this psalm. God says, I want you to write this one to a different tune. Lily of the testimony. I got to believe that one is going to give a little bit of hope to people because of his story. My story is history. Why? Watch this. Because truth did triumph. Truth triumphed over sin. Not some. Hebrews 10 tells us that he's the one sacrifice for sins once and for all. That's once and for all time. We don't have to re-crucify him. I know we dramatize it. I know churches put on dramas and I understand that. We, we have shows like the chosen eventually will get to that part in the Bible, you know. We understand all of that. But it's once and for all. Once and for all time. It's once and for all people. There's over 17,000 ethnicities. It's once for all people. And it's once for all sin. There's nothing too dirty that he can't make worthy. And so if you feel like the woman thrown at his feet today, caught in your sin, and it's embarrassing, and there's guilt in you, I want you to hear the words, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He triumphed over all sin, over all guilt, over all shame, over death, hell, and the grave. Truth triumphed so you could live eternally with Jesus Christ. One day, you will share your testimony, how you overcame what you went through, and it will bless others, and it will give them hope. And in eternity, and by the way, I, I said this to Brother Donnie, I got here this morning, and God began to give me some things to add to my message. And, and this is one of the things I typed in. I didn't know what they were singing today. I didn't look at the list. I didn't ask. This is what I typed in. You overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I, I'm sitting here worshiping, and all of a sudden I see the, the words come up on the screen. I'm like, hey, wow, that's cool. God, you're awesome. You know? That's how he works. So I just want you to know, I didn't ask the praise team to sing that, and I didn't know they were singing it. God just showed me that this morning. So how are we going to overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. We can look to Jesus as the ultimate example that truth triumphed. We can look to the great cloud of witnesses who by faith, in faith, and through faith have endured and persevered. So everybody take your pointy finger. First put it, point to yourself and say, I can make it. Now I know it's not entirely polite, but let's go ahead and be impolite for just a minute. Point to somebody else and say, you can make it. Come on, look at somebody else. You can make it. Why? Because truth triumphed. You can experience the transformation from turmoil to testimony.